Hello and welcome to Hot Topics Live. I'm Peter Sianovich, editor of Hot Topics, and this is an episode for business innovation in the next normal in partnership with Tata Communications. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Rebecca Parsons, Chief Technology Officer of ThoughtWorks, and together we're going to understand how exactly a new way of working has affected ThoughtWorks, and in particular, their clients, customers, and the like. Maybe this new borderless enterprise which everyone is having to work within under a new way of working is benefiting them. Let's find out. Hi Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me on this business innovation in the next normal interview. Lovely to have you on board. In particular, we're looking at how your customers, your teams, any of your stakeholder relationships have changed given the new circumstances we find ourselves in today. So for the first question, Clearly, the new way of working has afforded us much more flexibility in terms of how we live and, and where we work in particular. What has that flexibility meant for your teams? Well, a, a few things. First, um, in working with our clients, um, they've come to recognize that actually we don't have to be sitting next to them um, to be able to, to, to get work done. Um, We've actually been working in, in a distributed fashion uh, literally since the year 2000. Um, and so we're used to having people distributed, but many of our clients weren't. And so part of it was helping them learn the things that we've been practicing for the last couple of decades on how to work in a separated fashion. Um, a big thing that has impacted uh, one of the teams I work very closely with uh, we have an internal group called Doppler, which puts together our technology radar for uh, twice a year. And that group is spread across the entire globe. You can't get away from time zones. Um, and what we did in the past was we brought everybody to one particular city. Um, it was a very intensive week of meetings and we had to make that virtual. Um, and it was painful. I, I started at 4 a.m., uh, but our guys in Australia were working from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, they actually shifted their entire work schedule for, for the week so that they could do this. Because if you're going to have a global team, if, if you're meeting virtually, somebody's going to pay the price in time zones. Um, and so that, that really has had a big impact on um, our entire process for putting that, uh, that particular mm. asset together. Has there been any opportunities for a recalibration of how your teams operate or a retraining for your teams over the past few months? Um, that really hasn't changed that much just because as I said, you know, um, our, our, we've been doing distributed development for literally years um, and our management team has always been uh, distributed as well. So we are used to working um, over Zoom a lot, um, having relationships that are primarily virtual, um, reinforced occasionally with the with that dose of, of in-person. And that's what we're really struggling with right now is both how do you onboard new individuals into a team that uh, has bonded in the physical world and now you've got team members that have only ever been virtual. They haven't met anybody really in person. Um, and and that, that has been a challenge. There have been a couple of new hires that we made that started basically right around the time the pandemic broke. And 
um, trying to develop that kind of working relationship when you've actually never sat down with the person in a real physical space. Uh, that's a very different dynamic. Rebecca, given those two examples you've just provided, how does that change the relationship between your stakeholders or partnerships that you're involved with too? Well, it, it really is much the same kind of dynamic. Um, we are having to develop and nurture and maintain relationships um, where normally we would have done it in person. And I do think that's one thing that is going to um, extend beyond um, the pandemic time. In the past, the default assumption has always been, if you're going to meet somebody, you're going to meet them in person. And you, even that means getting on an airplane or getting on a train, all interactions, the default is in person. And I think what we're seeing is the recognition that there are many things that really don't require that in-person experience. Many of them do. As I said, you can't get away from time zones. Uh, but there is also that, that bond that happens between humans when they're actually sitting in the same room with each other. Um, but I do think um, as we look at building relationships with partners, with vendors, um, that default of we must always meet in person is, is gone. Um, and we've had some very successful uh, initial conversations uh, with, with partners and we've never met any of them uh, in person. And, and so it's, it, it is exercising a new muscle, but um, I do believe that that is going to be the next normal is it will no longer be the default that everything's done in person. Yeah, it, it might be too soon to say, but do you think the, the lack of physicality that we're experiencing will have an effect on innovation, will have an effect on how, how businesses grow and operate moving forward negatively? Well, I do think, I don't think it's gonna be a complete lack of physicality. Um, and as, as I said uh, previously, our management team has been working in this mixed mode um, for 15 plus years. And um, what we find is that you can, in fact, have those, those long-term relationships, those strong relationships, if there's the occasional physical encounter to sort of reestablish it. So to me, it's not going to be, we're never going to travel again. I'm always going to be working from, you know, my, my desk. Um, but it's, it's that shift to what is the right thing that is necessary uh, for a particular interaction. And your, your mention of innovation, that is important because one of the things that is different is you don't have those serendipitous, oh, I just ran into this person in the hall who told me about what they were working on and I've got this, this great idea that might tag along with that. Serendipity doesn't happen over Zoom in the same way. And one of the things that we've been experimenting with is different models of uh, creating that, that same kind of informal space to make it feel like you're chatting with somebody at the water cooler or you just managed to run, in, run into them. Um, because I, that, that kind of serendipitous innovation, uh, oh, we're gonna bounce ideas back to, off of each other because we happen to see each other in the hall. 
we have to more explicitly create we have to more explicitly create opportunities for that uh, because it's it's difficult uh, in a in a virtual setting. Yeah, that, that that's an excellent point. How did you approach finding a tech solution to serendipity? Was it from ThoughtWorks' perspective the responsibility of the technology leader, or actually, Rebecca, was this a collaborative approach between many different functions of the senior leadership team? What was the process? Um, well, I guess it was a combination. Um, that Doppler meeting that I was telling you about earlier was one of our first experiences with a what would have previously been a large in-person global event. Um, and so I was kind of the guinea pig uh, within the organization and, and uh, was able to feed back to the rest of the leadership team uh, what some of the things that worked really well virtually and some of the things that we struggled with. And one of the big things that we struggled with was that lack of those informal conversations. Um, and so what we decided to experiment for the next large global virtual meeting was to set aside mingle time. So tack 30 minutes um, uh, at the beginning or at the end um, and this was explicitly just social time, kind of like, well, some people come into a meeting room early and sit down and they'll, they'll, they'll chat. Um, and so we, we started taking some of those experiments that, that um, I had uh, run and extended them to, to the broader team. And, and actually, quite surprisingly, um, a scheduled mingle time does work. <laughs> I know it sounds bizarre, but you know people would chat, and you know the the the, the women who had their, their children, they would bring their children, and everybody would wave, or the, the the men would would bring their kids in, or the dogs. Um, they chat about the weather. They chat about the same kinds of things that that you would chat about sitting in a meeting room yeah. twenty minutes before it started. So you can actually schedule mingle time. Rebecca, one consideration I do have when processing these serendipitous moments in a remote context is what do you miss when we have a lack of informal, unpredicted communication between employees? Clearly, you've, you're trying to solve this problem with the solution you just put forward, but have you actually quantified what you're missing, what your company is losing in order to justify creating the solution in the first place? Um, qualified, yes. Quantified, no. Um, when we finished uh, the first of our radars uh, done virtually, the, the individual pieces I thought were just as strong as the previous editions. But, you know, the overarching summary themes that we came up with and, um, and some of the, the follow-on conversations on items that we might want to discuss further, that simply wasn't as rich. It didn't feel at the same level as it had from our face-to-face -face meetings. We just completed the second one um, a, a few weeks ago, and it qualitatively felt different. 
in that case, uh, what I added in addition to sort of at the beginning and the end, I just put 15 minutes, extended one of the breaks by 15 minutes. And that was informal time. So people would go off and, and get their get their food or refresh their, their tea. And when they came back to their laptop, they would turn their camera back on. And that indicated that they were ready to, to mingle. Um, and the results were qualitatively different. We had richer conversations in, at the more summary level because people got a chance, hey, that was an interesting thing that you, you said back there in, in, in the meeting. Let's chat about that for a few minutes. And those were the kinds of conversations that hadn't happened. So I don't know how I would quantify that, but qualitatively, it felt like it was a richer interaction as a result of just adding that little bit of time. Yeah, brilliant, because that brings us on nicely to the next part of the interview, which is on leadership. Clearly, we all had to adapt um, individually as well as collectively because of the new normal we find ourselves in. So Rebecca, on your own leadership, what have you learned this year? And in particular, looking into 2021, what do you hope to change and improve for that? Well, I think one important piece that I hadn't really recognized before um, was the the value of the in-person one-on-ones. Um, because of my global travel schedule, most of the one-on-ones I have with my team have been virtual for, for the past several years. Um, but because I would meet people at events like the Doppler or going to visit the offices, I had a chance to refresh those relationships face-to-face. Um, and what I've recognized about myself is uh, when I'm on a Zoom call, uh, I'm very transactional. I'm very, you know, here's the agenda. These are the things that we're going to talk about. Um, and I've become more conscious of, of the fact that it's worth taking that few extra minutes at the beginning to talk about the individual um, because you don't have the opportunities to just have the informal conversation. So I've had to change my entire approach to this to say, okay, let's first spend a couple of minutes, talk about you know how things are going, um, how, how is it going with the kids at, at, at home or the, the schooling or um, how, how is your, the rest of your extended family doing? Having those kind of informal conversations, I used to relegate that to only in-person interactions. And, and I, I recognize that I can't do that because that's where you start to see those relationships breaking down is if it just becomes all transactional. So it's about putting more empathy into your leadership. I would say more of a personal component, not not necessarily just empathy, um, because sometimes it's also giving people a chance to celebrate something that that happened and that you know they they might have they they might have mentioned again if you ran across the, them in the hall, but in, in a more business like setting, you know, talk, talking about your 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 kids' virtual piano recital. That's not necessarily something that, that people would have in the past even thought thought to, to to say to me. And so I'm trying to make more space for that in those in these more formal settings. 
And just back on that vendor partnership relationship we've spoken about, do you think because we are all in a remote context, we all are on a level playing field, but there is now an increase in collaboration that we wouldn't have seen before? Uh, is that what you've seen? I do think it's made everybody more conscious of what it takes to collaborate, uh, what it takes to maintain a relationship. Um, when we talk about partnerships, um, I constantly remind people partnerships only work well if they're constantly nurtured. It's a relationship that needs attention. You can't just say, oh, let's let's sign a partnership agreement and then then we won't worry about it anymore. Um, but I think people are more conscious of the effort that they have to put in to maintain relationships and to foster that sense of collaboration. And, and, and one aspect too of, of collaboration is there is a certain amount of risk taking involved. If I'm gonna toss a new idea to you, um, it's one thing again to do it informally. Oh, you know, I just thought of this, this crazy idea. Um, if we're gonna take time to set up a slot so I'm gonna talk about my idea, that the bar for how prepared I'm gonna be just automatically goes up because it's now less you and I having an informal conversation, but you know, we're actually taking this seriously. And so I do think um, leaders in particular need to create that sense of safety just because it feels a bit more formal because it's scheduled and all of that doesn't mean you have to introduce a new level of rigor. I want you to keep bringing your ideas to me and it, it will be the same kind of safe space having a conversation over Zoom as it would have been if I ran into you at the coffee machine. Yep, interesting. And this sort of all brings us to the point whereby the enterprise now seems to be increasingly borderless. Uh, Rebecca, is that the right thing? And, you know, if we move forward and consider what the future holds for, holds for us in a hybrid context, is the borderless enterprise the right enterprise for business? I, I believe it's going to be a hybrid. I've seen some people who have said, we're just going to continue to work remotely and you know, no one will ever be in an office again. I think that's unrealistic. Part of that might be, again, uh, I participate in a lot of global teams and time zones don't go away just because you know, the borders are closed. Um, you, we still have to take that, that into account. And I, and I, in fact, asked one of the gentlemen from Australia, um, because of course, Australia is far away from everywhere. So regardless of where we held the meeting, unless we happen to hold it in Australia, they always have long flights. And he said he would far rather pay the cost of jet lag uh, to be able to be in person. Um, and so I do think um, we're still gonna be doing things face-to-face, -face, um, but it won't be the default any longer. And it will be in situations where that informal interaction is important for creating the results or uh, time zones are just too significant of a factor. But there, there will be reasons that people do things face-to-face, -face, um, whereas previously 
you almost needed a reason not to do something face-to-face. And to to me, that's going to be the big mindset shift. And people will be more conscious of why they want to do something face-to-face and and try to structure those interactions in such a way that they actually achieve those additional benefits. Yes, thank you, Rebecca. That is all we have time for in this business innovation, the next normal roundtable. Thank you for your thoughts and for giving us an idea of what ThoughtWorks thinks of the borderless enterprise. And it's thank you so much, Peter. And thank you for watching. Well, that was all we have time for. Thank you so much for Rebecca again for her insights on the borderless enterprise. And tune in next time for our next episode in business innovation in the next normal in partnership with Tata Communications. Mm-hmm.